Jesus never fails, and I am so thankful to know this morning that God is on his throne, and there's not anything on this earth, there's not anyone on this earth, past, present, or future, who can remove him. He is in control of all things. We need to be reminded of that because I understand that months have passed by, rhetoric has been heated, ugly, accusatory, and more often than not, childish. I've had people tell me, I'm just so ready to vote and be done with this. I want it to end. I had one nerve left a month ago, and it's gone. (laughs) Scandals and outrages have come and gone with the regularity of waves beating on some tropical beach far, far away from here where people know nothing about this, and most of us would like to be vacationing today. Many ballots have already been cast. Those who have not voted and will will have the opportunity over the the next two days. A number of issues and offices will be determined. But without a doubt, I think most people's minds are riveted on the outcome of the presidential election. After eight years with our current president, his administration, no matter what happens, a new person is going to take up residence in the White House at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C., and once more we will be able to say that our lives and the world in which we live have been forever changed. There are a multitude of issues in play. On a national level, there are many, but there are also on state issues. There are issues on the ballot that are going to change the way we live in, in Kansas. The states around us have their own ballots, and they're going to be making decisions that are going to affect the way they live in their individual states as well. Here's the bottom line. As God's people, we need to go vote. You say, well, you know, pastor, that's really none of your business, whether I do or I don't. Well, I disagree. Jesus said to render to Caesar that which is Caesar's. Well, the ballot is his. So let's render our ballot to him. Let's do our, you are so blessed, so privileged to have the opportunity to go and express your voice about the governance of your nation. Don't waste that. Don't waste that. Don't throw that away. That privilege has been given to you by the blood of men and women of this country who have gone and paid the ultimate sacrifice so that you, and I could have a voice. Let's, let's not waste that. But when you go, before you go, pray. Ask for God's guidance. Look to his word. See how he would direct your thought. Filter everything through the word of God. That's Really, folks, that's all I've been trying to get across to you for the last eight weeks. Because if God's people would filter all of the moral and ethical issues we've talked about through the Word of God and then say, I don't care what anyone else says or what anyone else thinks, I'm going to mark my ballot based on what I believe is going to honor God from what I hear, read, and understand of His Word. I'm just going to tell you now, we can turn the world upside down. There are a multitude of issues How are we going to view the world? How are we going to live life? What things are we going to hold dear and what things are we going to cast aside? Are we going to be a force for good in this world in the future or are we just going to be along for the ride? 
Many policy decisions hang in the balance. Judicial appointments. Didn't even get to talk about those. Issues of sexuality, marriage, family, life itself. Immigration. Economic policies that will impact the future solvency of our nation. This is an important time in the life of America. I, I have heard no, numerous talking heads on my television talking about this being a crossroads time in the life of our nation. One candidate said this election is not about the next four years, it's about the next generation. Well, my friends, if they are right, and I tend to agree with them, I want you to understand we're not unique. These times come in the history of every people. The Israelites faced such a time in their history as well. God had led them out of bondage, out of Egypt, guided them through the wilderness as they wandered for decades. He gave them laws to live by, to govern themselves by, laws that would would help them live together in a peaceful, orderly fashion. That's the purpose of law. But then they reached this important moment in their history, and their longtime leader, Moses, the man who had been with them from the beginning of this journey, was preparing them because he knew he was about to die. And he spoke to them some incredibly powerful words. And I want us to look at those words this morning because I think they apply. And so if you've got your Bible, I want you to look with me in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Find verse 15. That's where we're going to begin our reading. It's not going to be too awfully long. But I want us to see what Moses said to the children of Israel. Now, please understand, Moses is speaking, but it's really God that's talking. All right? Moses was his prophet, his chosen leader, his appointed spokesman. And so this is God speaking through his human mouthpiece to his children, his people, wanting them to hear his direction from someone they held in high regard, high esteem, so that they would understand these words carry weight. I want you to hear them this morning, and I want you to understand they carry weight. These are God's words. So if you have your Bible open there, I want to invite you, if you can, will, to stand with me in honor of this God who is speaking These amazing words of truth that are found in Deuteronomy chapter 30, beginning at verse 15 where we read. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you're entering to possess. But, there's always a but. But, if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you 
that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. Would you pray with me? Father, I ask you this morning to bless the reading of your word. And God, I pray that you would help us today, individually, to choose life. To hear your voice. To pursue you. To hear your word. and Run after it. Father, we do pray for our nation. We're citizens of this country and therefore we, we desire your best for her. But many of us also have citizenship in another land. And we're headed toward a home we've never yet seen. And Father, as we journey, we pray for this land, but we keep our eyes upon our king. And I pray that you would help us to remember today that our service to him is far greater and far more important than that which happens here. Father, keep our feet rooted in this soil, but our hearts safely nestled in your hands. Now teach us the truth of your word. Help us to understand how to take it and apply it that we might serve you better as we journey through this world. Father, have your way in each of our lives, for we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Please keep your Bible open to Deuteronomy 30. Before I move any further along, I, I want to issue to you a challenge, my brothers and sisters in Christ, to the church, the bride, the body. We must not succumb to the depreciation of divine revelation as it is find, found right here. I know that it's popular in this generation to try to explain away the Word of God. It's popular to say, well, that applied to them, but it does not apply to us. That depreciating approach to the Word of God is a hallmark of our generation. But I want you to understand something very simply as we begin this morning. There are only two ways to make moral and ethical choices in this world. We make them according to the desires and the lust and the hunger of our flesh. We make them according to what we want and what man says is good. We make them according to the way that leads to death. Or we make them based upon the truth we find within God's word, which is the way of life. Having said that, I want you to understand how much God loves us. In fact, I would tell you this morning that in his love, God allows us to choose. 
He allows us to choose how we're going to live life, what kind of a people we're going to be, and what kind of a nation we will become. But understand, we still have individual choices. A nation can go one way, but there can be masses of people within it who go a different direction. But if you look at verse 15, look at what it says. Here's God speaking. He says, see, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. He says, I'm putting before you your choices. You get to choose. You get to choose. Now, I want you to understand something from my perspective. And you don't have to agree with me, okay? You are welcome to disagree. From my perspective, though, as a believer, I am not free to do as I please. I am not free to choose as I might want to. I am a slave to the king. I am a servant to my Lord Jesus Christ. I am bound by ownership. To do and to choose that which pleases him, which honors him, which affirms him as my master, my owner, my king, my sovereign. As a believer, you may not understand it, but you also are bound by that same right of ownership. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, Paul was writing to his friends in Galatians. He says, you, my brothers, were called to be free. But, there's that word again, but... Do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. This is God saying to the folks in Galatia, you're free, but you're not free to live in sin. You're free to serve in love. Human freedom is limited by time, opportunity, and ability, but above everything else, it is limited by the ownership that we acknowledge in our lives. I have freedom. You have freedom. God has given us freedom. But please understand that our freedom does not violate God's sovereignty. How can that be? It's true because he alone controls the ultimate course of human history. Say, but I'm going to make choices. I can change the course of history. No, you can't. You see, in his all-knowing mind, he already knows the choices you're going to make. It's already woven into the texture and the textile of his plan. That which you do will never surprise God. The choices that you make or that I make or that we make as a people will never surprise God. We can make right or wrong moral choices, but God alone controls the direction, the duration, and the outcome and ultimate finish of all things. He is sovereign. But we get to choose. We get to choose to walk with him or walk away from him. To follow him. Or to reject him. I love the book of Proverbs. Any of y'all ever read Proverbs? Occasionally? Can I just give you a, a word of encouragement? Read Proverbs. By the way, there's just enough chapters for a month. You can take one chapter every day. You know what? One of the best years I ever had in my life, I read the book of Proverbs every month. Now, you want to talk about something that will get in your head. You start looking and thinking, well, that's not very wise. I mean, God's Word will really start to work on you. 
And in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 24, you find these words, the path of life leads upward for the wise to keep him from going down to the grave. I was looking at that proverb the other day and I thought to myself, you know, how fitting, how appropriate, how much does this fit into what Moses just said to the Israelites? There's a good way that leads to life. There's a bad way that leads to death. You get to choose. In his love, God allows us to choose. But God knows us better than we know ourselves. And that's why I can go ahead and take this a step further and say that in his love, he steers us to choose correctly. He guides us. Everyone is commanded to walk in his ways. That's what God desires for all of mankind. You say, well, no, he only wants the elect. He only wants the called to walk in his way. Not so, my friends. It is his desire that none should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. He has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his firstborn, our Lord Jesus Christ. But he knows that there are those who will choose to follow and those who will choose not. Choices are to be made. They are not always consistent with God's will. Sometimes they are made according to what seems right with man. How do I know what's right? How do I know how to make good choices? Man, I could spend all day on that. So let me boil it down to three simple things if I can. Three ways that God steers us, guides us, reveals his will to us. The first is that God uses his word to speak to us. This is why I've been challenging you for the last seven weeks as we've talked about some of the hot button issues in this election. Filter it through the word of God. Let his word shape your thoughts, shape your decisions, shape your directions. Is it really trustworthy? Absolutely. And again, I could spend hours unpacking this. I'm not going to. I'm just going to take you to Psalm 119 for a moment, and I want you to just listen. Psalm 119, here's, here is the psalmist saying, man, this is it. Psalm 119, verses 98 through 100. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. You want to be smart? You want to be wise? You want to make good decisions? Here's what the psalmist is saying. Get in the word of God. Read it. Study it. Meditate on it day and night. Let it shape your thought processes and you will be a wise individual. But the world's such a dark place, preacher. Police. The world's always been a dark place. That's why you can drop down just a few verses to 105, 106, and you remember, you learned this in Bible school. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. Filter what you have to do, what you have to decide through the word of God. This is the best way. But I told you there were three things. God also uses his Holy Spirit to guide us. The Holy Spirit often guides us through the Word of God. How many times do we find ourselves struggling with a situation? We open the Word of God, we begin to read and think, well, there's the answer. 
Don't think you got there by chance. Don't think it just happened. Our God is not the God of circumstance. He is the God of order. His Holy Spirit guides you into the conversation where you need to be. He guides you into the Word where you need to be. Sometimes He uses the Word. Sometimes He uses a situation, another person, or an impression even perhaps to guide us where we need to go. But whenever that begins to happen, if it's not out of the Word, if it, if it seems to be an impression, if it seems to be something that someone else has told you that, that sounds right, that sounds good, I, I want to encourage you, filter it through the Word of God. Sometimes people say things and it sounds so good. And we have to stop and back up and say, wait a minute. Is that right according to God's word, or does that just sound good to me? That's what John was talking about. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, when he says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Everything that sounds good isn't. Everything that sounds right and correct is not. So you filter it through the Word of God. You filter it through what God says because God will never... uh, Please hear me. Please hear me. This is an important statement right here. Don't miss this one, okay? You can apply this to every hot-button issue we've talked about and even all the hot-button issues we never got to. Filter it through the Word of God because God will never contradict Himself. If He says in His Word it is wrong, it will always be wrong. If he says in his word it is right, it will always be right. God does not contradict himself. He does not vacillate back and forth. He does not change. He is the ever-constant, unchanging God of the universe. And if he says it here, it's done. Put it to bed. It's over. God gives us guidance through his word. He gives us guidance by his spirit. He will give us guidance as we pray. So what do you mean as we, as we talk to him and listen to him? Uh, we get confused sometimes and think praying is just us talking to God. Not so, my friends. If you don't have quiet time in your prayer time where God can speak back to you, you're not praying. You're just talking at God. You see, it's supposed to be a conversation. Conversations go both ways. Can I get an amen from the married folk? Sometimes one spouse or the other will come in and talk to me and say, I just feel like all they ever do is talk at me. Well, have you ever tried to talk back? Oh, no, no. A conversation flows both directions. And prayer is to be a conversation between Almighty God and His creation. So that means, yes, we're free to talk to God, to share with Him our burdens, our concerns, our petitions, our worries. But you know what? We also need to sit back sometimes in the quiet and say, Father, speak to me. And if you've been dumping on Him for 15 or 20 minutes, give Him 15 or 20 minutes to respond. You may need longer. You pray, He'll answer. Say, well, I've prayed, nothing happened. Ah, come on, people. James chapter 1, verse 5. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. God answers prayers. A number of years back, a country artist came out with the stupidest song I've ever heard in my life, thanking God for unanswered prayers. 
There is no such thing. God answers prayers. Sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says not right now, but he always answers. If you think he hasn't answered, then it's very possible he said not right now. Keep talking. Keep waiting. He'll answer. God always answers. That's why we're instructed to ask, to seek, to knock, to be persistent in our pursuit of God's direction and will. It's amazing to me. I mean, God has this great love for us, and in His love, He allows us, He allows us to choose. He steers us to choose correctly. But then there comes this point where we have to acknowledge that in His love, He holds us responsible for the choices we make. Us. Sometimes we like to say, well, you know, it wasn't me. Now I'm going to show my age. Some of you are going to smile and laugh because you're going to show your age. And this whole section over here is going to say, what? <laughs> but when I was a kid, there was a comedian who made his living saying, the devil made me do it. No. He may tempt us, but we choose what we're going to do. And whatever we choose, please understand, God holds us accountable. We are responsible for our choices. This is called accountability. And when you live in a victim society, it's real easy to push the blame off on somebody else all the time. Don't buy into it, my friends. You are accountable for the decisions that you make, the choices you make, the decisions that lead you wherever you're going to go. And I am responsible for mine. No one is responsible or accountable for what I do wrong. I do real good on my own. So do you. None of us can avert the ultimate responsibility for the choices we make. When I say that, what I mean is we all are accountable and we are going to give an account. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth and in his second letter, the fifth chapter, verse 10, he said this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us, may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. We're accountable. Every one of us. Even those of us who are Christian. I've had Christian, I am so glad I'm saved, I don't have to face judgment. Really? You better read the book again. You didn't get a free pass. We are still accountable. Those of us who are believers, we are going to answer for what we have done in this life, good or bad. That means there's going to be rewards and there's going to be mm, 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 mm. It goes both ways. We cannot, as God's people, leave God out of the decision-making process. That's why I keep telling you, filter it through the Word of God. I had someone say, do you really think that we need to do that? If we don't do that, then we are practicing a form of idolatry. We think we know best. We think we have the answers. We begin to think that we are who God really is. 
A lot of people are worshiping other gods today. Don't get me wrong. I'm not picking on us particularly. There are a lot of folks who are worshiping gods of materialism and humanism and hedonism and other forms of of self-will. The result is that we have left our nation morally bankrupt and spiritually empty. God allows us to make these decisions. He allows us to make good decisions too. That's why you're here this morning. But he also lets us make our poor decisions. But we are accountable for them. Now, you still got your Bible open. I want you to go back with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30. And I want you to look at verses 17 and 18. Because I want you to understand what it means if we leave God out of our decision-making process, brothers and sisters. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. You see, when we leave God out of the equation of living our lives, it leads to death and destruction and judgment. Say, are you certain about that, preacher? Oh, yeah, very sure. Very sure. All you've got to do is go over and look in the letter to the Romans, and you'll discover that this whole concept of judgment and death, it's, it's woven into the very fabric of sin. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. So it's, it's woven into the fabric. In his love, God gives warning of the death-producing qualities of sin. He is just. I want you to hear me very well. He is just. That means that he rewards righteousness, but he also punishes evil and wickedness. He is just. Verse 19 reveals the loving heart of God as he speaks through his prophet Moses and he says, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, choose life. Choose life. Is is it that hard? I've showed you what is right. I've showed you what is wrong. I've showed you what is good and what is bad, what is proper, what is evil. I've showed you righteousness. I've showed you what is unrighteous. Now, choose life. It's really not that tough, folks. And this is a word that our world and our land and we as individuals need to hear today. I know, I'm a preacher, and maybe that filters all of my thought processes. But I read this passage, and I look around the landscape of where I live, and I am convinced that our nation is plagued by death-producing choices. Drugs and alcohol, abortion and euthanasia. Racial prejudice, violence in the streets, adultery, pornography, promiscuity, homosexuality. 
That's what you don't understand. Yes, I do. They're all sin problems. God said they're wrong. They're wrong. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. I don't care what laws you pass. If God says it's wrong, it's wrong, and you can never make it right. Human-centered choices based upon our will to do what we want, what we think will make us happy, will leave us broken and shattered and destroyed and dead spiritually. The choices we make today don't just affect us. They're affecting future generations. I look and think, I've got to do more. I've got to do better. Why? I'm going to die. It's not going to matter to me. And then I look into the faces of my grandchildren. And I think, what am I leaving them? I look into the faces of young parents so filled with, with hope and excitement and enthusiasm. What are we giving them for their child? If we choose to leave God out of our choices... The result is God's judgment. And according to what God said right here in Deuteronomy 30, I'm not making it up. Death. Death for us, death for our descendants. And God said, this is so real, this is so true, I'm calling heaven and earth to bear witness against you today. When we make responsible moral choices, life and blessing are the result. If we make irresponsible choices without regard regard for what God says, then we bring death and judgment into our lives. So what does God say? I mean, he's really plain about it. Now choose life. Do what's right. Choose life. So how does one make that choice? Does it mean you mark your ballot one way or the other? No. Does it mean you support one party or one candidate or the other? No. It means this. Choose life. Choose today who you'll serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. How do you do that, preacher? You decide today that you, as an individual, you can't decide for anybody else. You've got to choose for yourself. You decide today that from this day forward, you are going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Surrender your will to King Jesus. And let him take you and make you into a new creation. And follow him. Leave the junk of this world behind and chase after him with all the passion and all the energy and all the drive you have. And let him lead you on the journey of a lifetime. And when it concludes, you're going to find yourself in a city not built with human hands. A place that today all I can say is I can only imagine. Will we choose life? <laughs> I already have. 
Many of you already have. But if you haven't, this morning you can. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He is waiting for you. He is waiting for you. And the reason I can tell you this is because God loves you. He loves you so much he has a plan for your life, but you'll never know what that plan is until you quit living life for yourself and start living life for him by pursuing his son, Jesus Christ, and giving him control. Would you do that today? Maybe you're saying, I I want to. I I need to do that, but I'm not sure what to do. That's great. In a moment, I'm going to pray. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. When we do that, if you just come and take me by the hand and say, Pastor, I want it. Okay, I know what you're talking about. We don't even have to get theological about it. I'm not going to embarrass you or put you on the spot, but we just want to explain to you from God's Word how you can become a new creation in Jesus Christ today. Are you ready? Brothers and sisters in Christ, long ago you chose life. But let me ask you something. Are you still following Him with all the passion and the energy that you did the first day? And if not, why not? Would you run to him this morning and fall in love all over again? And chart a course for your life, for your home, for your family that leads to life. I mean, after all, isn't that what God said? Now, choose life. I love that. I'm going to tell you one last thing. I'm going to stop, I promise. You can read that verse all day long, every day, for the next week, and you're going to discover what I'm about to tell you is true. God did not ask them to choose life. He did not say, if you will choose life. God said, now, choose life. It's his command for you. So will you obey? Or will you choose to walk out the door in rebellion this morning? Your choice. You make the call. Let's bow our heads together. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. We're going to stand together. We're going to sing a song of invitation, not because I want to stretch this service out or make this any longer, but because I think it's only right when we open the Word of God and we hear the truth of God that we have an opportunity to respond to it. And it may be that the Spirit of God has spoken to your heart this morning. Maybe something in the Word has touched you, and you think, man, I, I need to reevaluate some things in my life. That's awesome. You know, you can do that even as we're singing. You can pray. You can ask God to shine a light into your life and reveal the truth you need to see. It may be that you know he's calling you, that you need a personal relationship with your heavenly father. You're only going to get it through Jesus. There is no other way. Would you call on him today? Would you turn from your sin and pursue him with all your heart? Maybe you just feel a burden today to pray for your nation. That's awesome. Do it. Our nation will be a different place if God's people felt a burden to, and actually exercised praying for this country and for its leadership. I'm not sure what it is that God may be wanting to do in your life. I'm just asking you this. Would you hear his voice? Would you be obedient? Father, I thank you this morning for your word. A word that that challenges us to see our world through your eyes. 
to understand that you see black and white. You see right and wrong. You see life and death. And that you created us to live. And you've commanded us to choose life. But Father, there are some in this room who have not made that choice. They're still trying to rationalize. They're still trying to explain away. They're still trying to make right what is wrong. And it can never happen. It never will be confirmed. Father, I pray this morning, break down our walls. Draw us through the mud and the mire to stand before you. Lord, we come with all of our filth, with all of our sin, with all of our failures, with all of our transgressions, knowing the only way we can be clean is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And the world wants to lie to us and tell us there are all kinds of ways to get to heaven. God's going to save everybody eventually. But your word tells us unequivocally that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. And so, Father, I pray right now that your spirit would imprint that truth into the hearts and the minds and onto the lives of the people in this room. And help us today to choose life. So that our words, our actions, our deeds, our attitudes will glorify our Father. Father, thank you for reminding me this week that I'm not free to choose. I'm a slave. I'm a servant to a master who's already made the choices for me. I'm called to live in obedience. I pray that you'd remind my brothers and sisters of that today as well. Father, have your way in our lives, for we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this song. My friend, if you need to come, I invite you to come. We're not going to be a long time, but we'll meet you right here. If you need to come, if you need to come to Jesus, come on right now while we sing. Come on.